Good morning, afternoon, or night, whenever and wherever you are watching this second installment of the Aftermath cast. Today, we will discuss Joe Biden's startling newly security commitment and how it might get us into a full-scale war with China. We will also talk about this mysterious new outbreak of monkeypox and why you probably shouldn't be worried about it. Then, we'll explore the message being sent by the liberal elite as they work to get key conservative members of Congress out of office. Lastly, we will talk about the World Economic Forum's focus on the metaverse and what their motivations might be. Welcome to the Aftermath cast. Let's get right into it. The president went on a trip to Asia recently, his first as the commander-in-chief, visiting both South Korea and Japan. At a news conference with the Japanese prime minister in Tokyo, Biden was asked whether the U.S. would respond militarily to a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. He responded with a simple but firm yes. Traditionally, the United States has committed to providing weapons and intelligence to Taiwan in the event of an attack, but has maintained strategic ambiguity over whether we would respond with U.S. boots on the ground. After what was the third time in recent months that Biden has committed to a U.S. military response to a hypothetical invasion of Taiwan, the White House was quick to release a statement saying that this marks no change in U.S. policy. This seems to be a commonality recently, as Joe Biden seems to go out on stage against the wishes of his aides, make a claim, a statement, and then the White House must walk it back almost instantly, causing confusion among the public who see one thing from their president and yet another thing from his aides and his incompetent press secretary who was more or less a diversity hire. Whether this was an official commitment or just a reflection of Joe Biden's declining state of mind, such a statement is actually a good thing. You see, the United States companies and organizations, including our military, source up to 90% of their computer chips from Taiwanese factories. And virtually all of the world's semiconductor companies operate out of Taiwan. If Taiwan were to fall to China, the ability of United States companies to source computer chips to put in their products would drastically diminish. From Detroit's automobile manufacturers to Silicon Valley's tech sector, New products would be drastically more expensive, if accessible at all. We've seen this recently with a chip shortage related to the COVID-19 pandemic, where car prices, used and new, have skyrocketed. 
And that could only be a taste of what would be to come if China was so emboldened as to invade Taiwan, which it has been after the recent invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Therefore, the deterrent threat of the U.S. military support for Taiwan, if China were able to invade, all but ensures that China will not pursue such a conflict in the short term, allowing the United States time to develop domestic computer chip manufacturing, which the Biden administration is investing in heavily, which is a credit to them. Um, a One of the software companies is actually investing in a Ohio plant where that is costing them $20 billion that will expand the United States' ability to produce such computer chips. That will be Intel. You might have heard of a new outbreak, this time of a mysterious disease called monkeypox. When the President Biden was asked about it, he said that the American public should be, quote, concerned, end quote, causing one to wonder just what is this monkeypox? On its face, it seems to be a pretty serious disease showing up after a lengthy 21-day incubation cycle. To compare, COVID-19 has traditionally been a 14-day incubation cycle, so after you contract the disease, symptoms do not start showing up for 21 days, meaning that in those 21 days, you could be giving that disease to other people. However, I'll tell you why you likely aren't going to get the disease in the first place in a minute. Symptoms include those of a severe cold, such as fever, backaches, weakness, uh, congestion. Then they progress into a rash that could be anywhere on the body. Those then develop into boils, similar to those associated with chickenpox. According to studies done in Africa, the virus kills as many as 10%, 1 in 10, of those who contract it, and 200 confirmed and likely cases have been reported so far. The vast majority of those have been in Europe, with a few sprinkled in the United States and Canada. Why then do I say that you shouldn't be worried about a disease that kills 1 in 10 people that contract it? Well, according to the World Health Organization, the disease seems to be spreading through sexual contact between men, though they are quick to emphasize that monkeypox is neither a sexually transmitted infection nor limited to homosexuals. This means that unless you're a man who has recently been in sexual contact with another man, who has just gotten back from Europe, the chances of you contracting this virus are slim to none. It actually seems to have originated out of a sauna in Spain. So take that as, uh, as it comes. 
This begs the question, however, why is the media making such a big deal about it? The answer lies in the timing. The United States is currently ramping up towards its midterm elections, coming up in November. Pollsters from all sides are predicting a looming red wave, with Republicans poised to take back at least one and quite possibly both houses of Congress. President Joe Biden has recently hit a new low in approval ratings, with an APNORCE poll having him at just 39% approval among the general population and only a 26% approval rating among Hispanics, down from 55% just one year ago. They've always said, the Republicans have always said, that Hispanics are just, are Republicans, they just don't know it yet. After the abortion issue failed to swing votes as much as they had hoped, the Democrats seemed to be pivoting towards a new outbreak to scare people back into their homes and open back up the mail-in voting that seems to have won them the presidency in 2020, allowing them to continue their bashing of election integrity in favor of winning by any means necessary. Whether it is from straight-up election fraud, as has been suggested by the documentary 2000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza, I would highly recommend watching, though it is a bit pricey to access, or simply false information peddled by the mass media as fact, as was the case with the Trump-Russia scandal, which is now in the Steele dossier, which has now been discredited as merely Hillary Clinton campaign propaganda, as has been admitted by her campaign manager. And also with the Hunter Biden laptop, which has only recently been confirmed. Madison Cawthorn, a firebrand 26-year-old member of Congress from North Carolina, recently ignited controversy when he revealed that he had been invited to drug-fueled parties by other members of Congress, warning afterwards that they would likely try to defame him after he exposed them for the degenerates that they are. On cue, scandalous videos emerged, bringing his conduct into question and ultimately leading to his recent primary defeat just days ago in a hotly contested Republican race. Now, Cawthorn is under investigation by the House Ethics Committee for promoting a cryptocurrency that he was personally invested in. No mind that members like Nancy Pelosi have made tens of millions of dollars using the information that they receive in classified briefings and testimonies to trade stocks with almost no risk of losing. This has actually sprung several social media accounts that track such trades where prospective retail investors can invest alongside members like Nancy Pelosi 
and have made considerable amounts of money doing so. These attacks come just weeks after prosecutors in Georgia tried to prevent extremely popular Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from running for re-election based on a post-Civil War law that prevented insurrectionists from running for public office, citing her support for the January 6th protesters. This move, of course, failed, but makes it blatantly obvious that members of Congress who stand up for what they believe in and expose wrongdoing will be attacked viciously by the media, legislature, and judiciary in an attempt to pacify them before irreversible damage is done to their reputations. The World Economic Forum is meeting for the first time since the start of the pandemic in Davos, Switzerland, and it has already turned heads with its embrace of the metaverse. The WEF has even announced a partnership with Accenture and Microsoft to create a global collaboration village, interesting naming it a village. What is their economic motivation behind this partnership? According to Klaus Schwab, the WEF's chairman, it is to further bind humanity together with technology, allowing people to plug in and stay connected for hours on end without ever having to interact with the real world. Such a connection brings opportunity for monetary gain as people become reliant on the metaverse for social interactions. They also become increasingly more willing to pay for the ability to maintain such interactions. This worrying development shows the truly evil motivations behind the World Economic Forum's actions, and just how disconnected the top 1% are from the rest of the population, as they prioritize virtual reality while Americans are paying five, six, seven dollars a gallon for gas, 10% more money on their groceries, and see the value of their paychecks vanish into thin air with each passing month. If we do not vote in representatives that have our interests in mind, ones who are grounded in reality and will work for us in their respective offices, we may very well be heading to such economic struggles not seen since the Jimmy Carter years, when you could only get gas on certain days, depending on your license plate number where people were living on the streets because they couldn't afford housing, and where the American quality of life declined for the first time since the Great Depression. We must vet our candidates weeding out the rhinos, like Richard Irvin, who will consistently vote against the very things that Republicans voted them in for. We do not want a Republican version of Joe Manchin who might give us the majority and on paper will give us the responsibility for drafting bills and creating legislative measures to help the American people, but in reality deadlocked by 
some of the more moderates or some of the more fringe people on the party who prevent meaningful compromise from being had. Well, folks, this has been another episode of the Aftermath cast. I do hope that you enjoyed this episode, and until next time, I'm Omar Tamomi, signing off.